11. M. During this century Belgium has been so closely related to France that the influence of the larger country has been quite apparent upon the art of the smaller. In 1816 David, the leader of the French classic school, sent into exile by the Restoration, settled at Brussels, and immediately drew around him many pupils. His influence was felt at once, and François Navès 1787-1869 was the chief one among his pupils to establish the revived classic art in Belgium. In 1830, with Belgian independence and almost concurrently with the Romantic movement in France, there began a Romantic movement in Belgium with Walter's 1803-1874. His art was founded substantially on Rubens, but, like the Paris Romanticists, he chose the dramatic subject of the times and treated it more for color than for line. He drew a number of followers to himself, but the movement was not more lasting than in France. Weert's 1806-1865 whose collection of works is to be seen in Brussels, was a partial exposition of Romanticism mixed with a whatnot of eccentricity entirely his own. Later on came a comparatively new man, Louis Gallant 1810, who held in Brussels substantially the same position that Delarocchi did in Paris. His art was eclectic and never strong, though he had many pupils at Brussels, and started their rivalry to authors at Antwerp. Lise 1815-1869 holds a rather unique position in Belgian art by reason of his affectation. He at first followed Peter de Hugge and other early painters. Then, after a study of the old German painters like Krenach, he developed an archaic style, producing a Gothic quaintness of line and composition, mingled with old Flemish coloring. The result was something popular, but not original or far-reaching, though technically well done. His chief pupil was Almutadena 1836, alive today in London, and belonging to no school in particular. He is a technician of ability, mannered in composition and subject, and somewhat perfunctory in execution. His work is very popular with those who enjoy minute detail and smooth texture painting. In 1851 the influence of the French realism of Kirby began to be felt at Brussels, and since then Belgian art has followed closely the art movements at Paris. Men like Alfred Stevens 1828, a pupil of Navis, are really more French than Belgian. Stevens is one of the best of the moderns, a painter of power in fashionable or high-life genre, and a colorist of the first rank in modern art. Among the recent painters but a few can be mentioned. Willems 1823, a weak painter of fashionable genre, Verboek Heaven 1799-1881, a vastly overestimated animal painter, Clay's 1819. An excellent marine painter, Bullinger, a landscapist, Waters 1846, a history, and portrait painter, Jan van Beers and Roby. The new men are Claus, Misa, Frederick, Knopf, Limpoels, Principal Works, Hubert van Eddick, Adoration of the Lamb with Jan van Eddick Street Gavon Gent Wings at Brussels and Berlin supposed to be by January the rest by Hubert, Jan van Eddick, as above, also Arnolf any portraits map, down long. Virgin and Donor Louvre, Madonna's Feeble Muse, Man with Pink's Berlin, Triumph of Church Madrid, Van der Weyden, a number of pictures in Brussels and Antwerp Muse, also at Stiebel Muse, Berlin, Munich, Vienna, Christus, Berlin, Stiebel Muse, Hermitage, Madrid, Justus van Ghent, Last Supper Urbino Val, Bots, St. Peter Louvain, Munich, Berlin, Brussels, Vienna, Memling, Brussels Muse, and Bruges Acad and Hospital Antwerp, Turin, Uffizi, Munich, Vienna, Van der Meere, Triptych St. Devon Ghent, Gerard David, Bruges, Berlin, 
Rouen, Munich, Massais, Brussels, Antwerp, Berlin, St. Petersburg, Best Works Deposition in Antwerp Galen Merchant and Wife Louvre, Mostert, Altarpiece Notre Dame Rouge, Modus, Madonna's Palermo, Milan Cathedral, Prague, Other Works Vienna, Berlin, Munich, Antwerp, Flores, Antwerp, Amsterdam, Brussels, Berlin, Munich, Vienna, Baron Van Orley, Altarpieces Church of the Savior Antwerp, and Brussels Muse. Cocci, Antwerp, Brussels, and Madrid Muse. Pyrmus, Bruges, Brussels, Vienna Muse. Moro, Portraits Madrid, Vienna, Hague, Brussels, Castle, Louvre, St. Petersburg Muse. Brill, Landscapes Madrid, Louvre, Dresden, Berlin Muse. The landscapes of the three bridals are to be seen in most of the museums of Europe, especially at Munich, Dresden, and Madrid. Rubens, many works, 93 in Munich, 35 in Dresden, 15 at Castle, 16 at Berlin, 14 in London, 90 in Vienna, 66 in Madrid, 54 in Paris, 63 at St. Petersburg as given by Waters. Best works at Antwerp, Vienna, Munich, and Madrid, Van Neuert, Antwerp. Brussels Muse, Ghent and Antwerp Cathedrals, Vandyck, Windsor Castle, Nat, Downland, 41 in Munich, 19 in Dresden, 15 in Castle, 13 in Berlin, 67 in Vienna, 21 in Madrid, 24 in Paris, and 38 in St. Petersburg Waters. Best examples in Vienna, Louvre, Nat, Downland, and Madrid. Good example in Met, Muse, NY, the Appendix. Antwerp Churches and Muse, Berlin, Vienna, Munich, Frankfurt, Jordanes, Brussels, Antwerp, Munich, Vienna, Castle, Madrid, Paris, Crayer, Brussels, Munich, Vienna, Janssens, Antwerp Muse, St. Devon Gant, Brussels and Cologne Muse. Zegers, Cathedral Gant, Notre Dame Bruges, Antwerp Muse. Rombots, Muse, and Cathedral Gant, Antwerp Muse, Begin Convent Mecklen. Hospital of St. John Bruges, Davos, Cathedral and Muse, Antwerp, Munich, Oldenburg, Berlin Muse. Snyders, Munich, Dresden, Vienna, Madrid, Paris, St. Petersburg, Fit, Munich, Dresden, Castle, Berlin, Vienna, Madrid, Paris, T. Nyers the Younger, 29 pictures in Munich, 24 in Dresden, 8 in Berlin, 19 in Nat, Downland, 33 in Vienna. 52 in Madrid, 34 in Louvre, 40 in St. Petersburg Waters, Brauer, 19 in Munich, 6 in Dresden, 4 in Berlin, 5 in Paris, 5 in St. Petersburg Waters, Cocaise, Nat, Downland, Amsterdam, Berlin, Munich Muse, Virgin, Antwerp, Brussels, Ghent, and Vienna Muse. Neves, Ghent, Antwerp, and Amsterdam Muse, Nat, Dal Berlin, Waters, Amsterdam. Brussels, Versailles Muse. Weirts, in Weirts Gal Brussels, Gallet, Liege, Versailles, Tournay, Brussels, Nat, Gal Berlin, Lys, Amsterdam Muse, New Pinakothek, Munich, Brussels, Nat, Gal Berlin, Antwerp Muse, and City Hall, Alfred Stevens, Marseille, Brussels, Frescos Royal Pell, Brussels, Willems, Brussels Muse, and Fodder Muse, Amsterdam, Met, Muse, NY, Verboic Heaven, Amsterdam, Fodder, Nat, Gal Berlin, New Pinakothek, Brussels, Ghent, Met, Muse, NY, Clays, Ghent Muse. Waters, 
Brussels, Liege Muse. Van Beers, Burial of Charles the Good and Sturdy Muse, Chapter XVII, Dutch Painting, Books Recommended, as before Fromanen, Y. A. Jens Kugler, Amen Durand, Uwe de Rembrandt, Archit voor Nederlandsche Kunst Jeskedenis, Blank, Uwe de Rembrandt, Bode, French Hells and St. Julie, Bode, Study and der Jeskitsche der Hollandischen Nauerei, Bode, Adrian van Ostab, Brown, Rembrandt, Burger Th. For Els Muses de Lo Holland, Hadward, Lo Painter Hollandaise, Mitchell, Rembrandt, Mitchell, Gerard Turberg gets a female, Mance, Adrian Brouwer, Roses, Dutch Painters of the 19th Century, Roses, Rubens, Schmidt, Dies Larben des Mailers, Adrian Brouwer, Van der Willigen, Els Artists de Harlem, Van Mander, Leven der Niederländsche and Hugdeutsche Skilders, Vosner, Rembrandt, Savayat Southeast Silvers, Westreen, Janstein, Adud Sir Lord and Holland, Van Dyke, Old Dutch and Flemish Masters, The Dutch People and Their Art, though Holland produced a somewhat different quality of art from Flanders and Belgium, yet in many respects the people at the north were not very different from those at the south of the Netherlands, they were perhaps less versatile, less volatile, less like the French and more like the Germans, fond of homely joys and the quiet peace of town and domestic life, the Dutch were matter of fact in all things, sturdy, honest, coarse at times, sufficient unto themselves, and caring little for what other people did, just so would their painters, they were realistic at times to grotesqueness, little troubled with fine poetic frenzies they painted their own lives in street, town hall, tavern, and kitchen, conscious that it was good because true to themselves, that first Dutch art was influenced, even confounded, with that of Flanders, the Van Etics led the way, and painters like Bouts and others, though Dutch by birth, became Flemish by adoption in their art at least. When the Flemish painters fell to copying Italy some of the Dutch followed them, but with no great enthusiasm. Suddenly, at the beginning of the 17th century, when Holland had gained political independence, Dutch art struck off by itself, became original, became famous. It pictured native life with verve, skill, keenness of insight, and fine pictorial view. Limited it was, it never soared like Italian art never became universal or world-embracing, it was distinct, individual, national, something that spoke for Holland, but little beyond it, in subject there were few historical canvases such as the Italians and French produced, the nearest approach to them were the paintings of shooting companies, or groups of burghers and syndics, and these were merely elaborations and enlargements of the portrait which the Dutch loved best of all, as a whole their subjects were single figures or small groups in interiors, quiet scenes, family conferences, smokers, card players, drinkers, landscapes, still life, architectural pieces, when they undertook the large canvas with many figures, they were often unsatisfactory, even Rembrandt was so, the chief medium was oil, used upon panel or canvas, fresco was probably used in the early days, but the climate was too damp for it and it was abandoned. It was perhaps the dampness of the northern climate that led to the adaptation of the oil medium, something the Van Etics are credited with inaugurating. The early painting, the early work has, for the great part, perished through time and the fierceness with which the iconoclastic warfare was waged, that which remains today is closely allied in method and style to Flemish painting under the Van Etics. Uwater is one of the earliest names that appears, and perhaps for that reason he has been called the founder of the school. He was remarked in his time for the excellent painting of background landscapes, 
but there is little authentic by him left to us from which we may form an opinion. Gertjen van St. Jan about 1475 was evidently a pupil of his, and from him there are two wings of an altar in the Vienna Gallery, supposed to be genuine. Bouts and Mostert have been spoken of under the Flemish school. Bosch 1460, 1516 was a man of some individuality who produced fantastic purgatories that were popular in their time and are known today through engravings. Angel Brixton 1468-1533 was Dutch by birth and in his art, and yet probably got his inspiration from the Van Etik school. The works attributed to him are doubtful, though two in the Leiden gallery seem to be authentic. He was the master of Lucas van Leiden 1494-1533, the leading artist of the early period. Lucas van Leiden was a personal friend of Albrecht Dürer, the German painter, and in his art he was not unlike him, a man with a singularly lean type. A little awkward in composition, brilliant in color, and warm in tone, he was, despite his archaic-looking work, an artist of much ability and originality. At first he was inclined toward Flemish methods, with an exaggerated realism in facial expression. In his middle period he was distinctly Dutch, but in his later days he came under Italian influence, and with a weakening effect upon his art, taking his work as a whole, it was the strongest of all the early Dutch painters. 16th century, this century was a period of Italian imitation, probably superinduct by the action of the Flemings at Antwerp. The movement was somewhat like the Flemish one, but not so extensive or so productive. There was hardly a painter of rank in Holland during the whole century. Squirrel 1495-1562 was the leader, and he probably got his first liking for Italian art through Modus at Antwerp. He afterward went to Italy, studied Raphael and Michelangelo and returned to Utrecht to open a school and introduce Italian art into Holland. A large number of pupils followed him, but their work was lacking in true originality. Heemskerk 1498-1574 and Cornelis van Harlem 1562-1638, with Steenik 1550-1604, were some of the more important men of the century, but none of them was above a common average. 17th century, beginning with the first quarter of the century came the great art of the Dutch people founded on themselves and rooted in their native character. Italian methods were abandoned, and the Dutch told the story of their own lives in their own manner, with truth, vigor, and skill. There were so many painters in Holland during this period that it will be necessary to divide them into groups and mention only the prominent names. Portrait and figure painters, the real inaugurators of Dutch portraiture were Mierivelt, Hells, Rivestein, and de Kieser. Mierivelt 1567-1641 was one of the earliest, a prolific painter, fond of the aristocratic sitter, and indulging in a great deal of elegance in his accessories of dress and the like. He had a slight, smooth brush, much detail, and a profusion of color. Quite the reverse of him was Franz Hell's 1584-1666, one of the most remarkable painters of portraits with which history acquaints us, in giving the sense of life and personal physical presence. He was an excelled by anyone. What he sought he could portray with the most telling reality. In drawing and modeling he was usually good, in coloring he was excellent. Though in his late work somber, in brush handling he was one of the great masters. Strong, virile, yet easy and facile. He seemed to produce without effort. His brush was very broad in its sweep. Very sure, very true. Occasionally in his late painting facility ran to the ineffectual. But usually he was certainty itself. His best work was in portraiture, and the most important of this is to be seen at Harlem, where he died after a rather careless life. 
as a painter, pure and simple, he is almost to be ranked beside Velasquez, as a poet, a thinker, a man of lofty imagination. His work gives us little enlightenment except in so far as it shows a fine feeling for masses of color and problems of light. Though excellent portrait painters, Rivestine 1572, 1657 and De Keyser 1596, 1679 do not provoke enthusiasm. They were quiet, conservative, dignified, painting civic guards and societies with a knowing brush and lively color, giving the truth of physiognomy but not with that verve of the artist so conspicuous in hells, nor with that unity of the group so essential in the making of a picture. The next man in chronological order is Rembrandt 1607-1669, the greatest painter in Dutch art. He was a pupil of Swain and Birch and Lastman, but his great knowledge of nature and his craft came largely from the direct study of the model. Settled at Amsterdam, he quickly rose to fame, had a large following of pupils and his influence was felt through all Dutch painting. The portrait was emphatically his strongest work. The many-figured group he was not always successful in composing or lighting. His method of work rather fitted him for the portrait and unfit him for the large historical piece. He built up the importance of certain features by dragging down all other features. This was largely shown in his handling of illumination. Strong in a few highlights on cheek, chin, or white linen, the rest of the picture was submerged in shadow under which color was unmercifully sacrificed. This was not the best method for a large, many-figured piece, but was singularly well sweet to the portrait. It produced strength by contrast. Forced, it was undoubtedly, and not always true to nature, yet nevertheless most potent in Rembrandt's hands. He was an arbitrary though perfect master of light and shade, and unusually effective in luminous and transparent shadows. In color he was again arbitrary but forcible and harmonious. In brushwork he was at times labored, but almost always effective. Mentally he was a man keen to observe, assimilate, and express his impressions in a few simple truths. His conception was localized with his own people and time he never built up the imaginary or followed Italy, and yet into types taken from the streets and shops of Amsterdam he infused the very largest humanity through his inherent sympathy with man. Dramatic, even tragic. He was, yet this was not so apparent in vehement action as in passionate expression. He had a powerful way of striking universal truths through the human face, the turned head, bent body, or outstretched hand. His people have character, dignity, and a pervading feeling that they are the great types of the Dutch race people of substantial physique, slow in thought and impulse, yet capable of feeling, comprehending, enjoying, suffering, his landscapes, again were a synthesis of all landscapes, a grouping of the great truths of light, air, shadow, space. Whatever he turned his hand to was treated with that breadth of view that overlooked the little and grasped the great. He painted many subjects. His earliest work dates from 1627, and is a little hard and sharp in detail and cold in coloring. After 1654 he grew broader in handling and warmer in tone, running to golden browns, and, toward the end of his career, to a rather hot tones, his life was embittered by many misfortunes, but these never seem to have affected his art except to deepen it, he painted on to the last, convinced that his own view was the true one, and producing works that rank second to none in the history of painting, Rembrandt's influence upon Dutch art was far-reaching, and appeared immediately in the works of his many pupils, they all followed his methods of handling light and shade, but no one of them ever equaled him, though they produced work of much merit. Mole 1611-1680 was chiefly a portrait painter.
with a pervading yellow tone and some color of flesh coloring a man of ability who mistakenly followed Rubens in the latter part of his life. Flink 1615-1660 at one time followed Rembrandt so closely that his work has passed for that of the master, but latterly he, too, came under Flemish influence. Next to Eekhout he was probably the nearest to Rembrandt in methods of all the pupils. Eekhout 1621-1674 was really a Rembrandt imitator, but his hand was weak and his color hot. May 1632-1693 was the most successful manager of light after the school formula and succeeded very well with warmth and richness of color, especially with his reds. The other Rembrandt pupils and followers were Porter Fluid 1635-1643, Victor 1620-1672, Conning 1619-1688, Fabrity 1624-1654, and Backer 1608-1651, Van Der Helst 1612-1670 stands apart from this school and seems to have followed more the portrait style of de Teaser. He was a realistic, precise painter, with much excellence of modeling in head and hands, and with fine carriage and dignity in the figure. In composition he hardly held his characters in group owing to a sacrifice of values, and in color he was often spotty, and lacking in the unity of mass. The genre painters, this heading embraces those who may be called the Little Dutchmen, because of the small scale of their pictures and their genre subjects. Gerard du 1613-1675 is indicative of the class without fully representing it. He was a pupil of Rembrandt, but his work gave little report of this. It was smaller, more delicate in detail, more petty in conception. He was a man great in little things, one who wasted strength on the minutiae of dress, or tablecloth, or the texture of furniture without grasping the mass or color significance of the whole scene. There was infinite detail about his work, and that gave it popularity but as art it held, and holds today, little higher place than the work of Metsu 1630-1667, Van Meeris 1635-1681, Metcher 1639-1684, or Schalken 1643-1706, all of whom produced the interior piece with figures elaborate in accidental effects, Van Ostob 1610-1685, though dealing with the small canvas, and portraying peasant life with perhaps unnecessary coarseness, was a much stronger painter than the men just mentioned. He was the favorite pupil of Hells and the master of Janstein. With little delicacy in choice of subject he had much delicacy in color, taste in arrangement, and skill in handling. His brush was precise but not finical. By far the best painter among all the little Dutchmen was Derberg 1617-1681, a painter of interiors, small portraits, conversation pictures, and the like. Though of diminutive scale his work has the largeness of view characteristic of genius, and the skilled technique of a thorough craftsman. Turberg was a traveled man, visiting Italy, where he studied Titian, returning to Holland to study Rembrandt, finally at Madrid studying Velasquez. He was a painter of much culture, and the keynote of his art is refinement. Quiet and dignified he carried taste through all branches of his art. In subject he was rather elevated in color subdued with broken tones, in composition simple, in brushwork sure, vivacious, and yet unobtrusive. Selection in his characters was followed by reserve in using them. Detail was not very apparent. A few people with some accessory objects were all that he required to make a picture. Perhaps his best qualities appear in a number of small portraits remarkable for their distinction and aristocratic grace. Steen 1626. 
1679 was almost the opposite of Cherbourg, a man of sarcastic flings and coarse humor who satirized his own time with little reserve. He developed under Hells and Van Ostab, favoring the latter in his interiors, family scenes, and drunken debauches. He was a master of physiognomy, and depicted it with rare if rather unpleasant truth. If he had little refinement in his themes he certainly handled them as a painter with delicacy. At his best his many-figured groups were exceedingly well composed. His color was of good quality with a fondness for yellows, and his brush was as limpid and graceful as though painting angels instead of Dutch boars. He was really one of the fine brushmen of Holland, a man greatly admired by Sir Joshua Reynolds, and many an artist since, but not a man of high intellectual pitches compared with Turberg. For instance, Peter de Hoogie 1632-1681 was a painter of purely pictorial effects, beginning and ending a picture in a scheme of color, atmosphere, clever composition, and above all the play of light and shade. He was one of the early masters of full sunlight painting it falling across a courtyard or streaming through a window with marvelous truth and poetry. His subjects were commonplace enough, an interior with a figure or two in the middle distance, and a passageway leading into a lighted background were sufficient for him. These formed a skeleton which he clothed in a half-toned shadow, pierced with warm yellow light, enriched with rare colors, usually garnet reds and deep yellows repeated in the different planes, and surrounded with a subtle pervading atmosphere. As a brushman he was easy but not distinguished, and often his drawing was not correct, but in the placing of color masses and in composing by color and light he was a master of the first rank. Little is known about his life. He probably formed himself on Fabrides or Rembrandt at second hand, but little trace of the latter is apparent in his work. He seems not to have achieved much fame until the late years, and then rather in England than in his own country. Jan van der Meer of Delft 1632-1675 one of the most charming of all the genre painters, was allied to Dahoogie in his pictorial point of view and interior subjects, and fortunately there is little left to us of this master, but the few extant examples serve to show him a painter of rare qualities in light, in color, and in atmosphere. He was a remarkable man for his handling of blues, reds, and yellows, and in the tonic relations of a picture he was a master second to no one. Fabrides is supposed to have influenced him. The landscape painters, the painters of the Netherlands were probably the first, beginning with Brill, to paint landscape for its own sake, and as a picture motive in itself, before them it had been used as a background for the figure, and was so used by many of the Dutchmen themselves. It has been said that these landscape painters were also the first ones to paint landscape realistically, but that is true only in part, they studied natural forms, as did, indeed, Bellini in the Venetian school, they learned something of perspective air, tree anatomy, and the appearance of water, but no Dutch painter of landscape in the 17th century grasped the full color of Holland or painted its many varied lights. They indulged in a meager conventional palette of grays, greens, and browns, whereas Holland is full of brilliant hues. Van Gogh in 1596-1656 was one of the earliest of the 17th century landscapists. In subject he was fond of the Dutch bays, harbors, rivers, and canals with shipping windmills, and houses, his skyline was generally given low, his water silvery, and his sky misty and luminous with bursts of white light, in color he was subdued, and in perspective quite cunning at times, Solomon Van Roosdeel 1600, 1670 was his follower, if not his pupil, he had the same sobriety of color as his master, 
and was a mannered and prosaic painter in details, such as leaves and tree branches. In composition he was good, but his art had only a slight basis upon reality, though it looks to be realistic at first sight. He had a formula for doing landscape which he varied only in a slight way, and this conventionality ran through all his work. Mall in 1600, 1661 was a painter who showed limited truth to nature in flat and hilly landscapes, transparent skies, and warm coloring. His extant works are few in number. Wynant 1615, 1679, was more of a realist in natural appearance than any of the others. A man who evidently studied directly from nature in details of vegetation, plants, trees, roads, grasses, and the like. Most of the figures and animals in his landscapes were painted by other hands. He himself was a pure landscape painter, excelling in light and aerial perspective, but not remarkable in color. Van Deer Northeaster 1603-1677 and Everding and 1621-1675 were two other contemporary painters of merit. The best landscapist following the first men of the century was Jacob Van Roosteel 1625-1682, the nephew of Solomon Van Roosteel. He is put down, with perhaps unnecessary emphasis, as the greatest landscape painter of the Dutch school. He was undoubtedly the equal of any of his time, though not so near to nature, perhaps, as Hobma. He was a man of imagination, who at first pictured the Dutch country about Harlem and afterward took up with the romantic landscape of Van Everdingen. This landscape bears a resemblance to the Norwegian country, abounding, as it does, in mountains, heavy dark woods, and rushing torrents. There is considerable poetry in its composition, its gloomy skies, and darkened lights. It is mournful, suggestive, wild, usually unpeopled. There was much of the methodical in its putting together, and in color it was cold, and limited to a few tones. Many of Roustiel's works have darkened through time. Little is known about the painter's life except that he was not appreciated in his own time and died in the almshouse. Hobma 1638-1709 was probably the pupil of Jacob van Roustiel, and ranks with him, if not above him, in 17th century landscape painting. Roustiel hardly ever painted sunlight, whereas Hobma rather affected it in quiet wood scenes or roadways with little pools of water and a mill. He was a freer man with the brush than Roustiel, and knew more about the natural appearance of trees, skies, and lights, but, like his master, his view of nature found no favor in his own land. Most of his work is in England, where it had not a little to do with influencing such painters as Constable and others at the beginning of the 19th century. Landscape with cattle, here we meet with Wunverman 1619-1668, a painter of horses, cavalry, battles and riding parties placed in landscape. His landscape is bright and his horses are spirited in action. There is some mannerism apparent in his reiterated concentration of light on a white horse, and some repetition in his canvases, of which there are many, but on the whole he was an interesting, if smooth and neat painter. Paul Potter 1625-1654 hardly merited his great repute. He was a harsh, exact recorder of facts, often tin-like or wooden in his cattle and not in any way remarkable in his landscapes, least of all in their composition. The young bull at the Hague is an ambitious piece of drawing, but is not successful in color, light, or ensemble. It is a brittle work all through, and not nearly so good as some smaller things in the National Gallery London, and in the Louvre. Adrian van de Velde 1635, 1672 was short-lived, like Potter, 
but managed to do a prodigious amount of work, showing cat and figures in landscape with much technical ability and good feeling. He was particularly good in composition and the subtle gradation of neutral tints. A little of the Italian influence appeared in his work, and with the men who came with him and after him the Italian imitation became very pronounced. Ilbert quite 1620-1691 was a many-sided painter, adopting at various times different styles, but was enough of a genius to be himself always. He is best known to us, perhaps, by his yellow sunlight effects along rivers, with cattle in the foreground, though he painted still life, and even portraits and marines, in composing a group he was knowing, recording natural effects with power, in light and atmosphere he was one of the best of his time and in texture and color refined, and frequently brilliant, both 1610-1650, Berkham 1620-1683, Dujardin 1622-1678, followed the Italian tradition of Claude Lorraine, producing semi-classic landscapes, never very convincing in their originality, Van der Hayden 1637-1712, should be mentioned as an excellent, if minute, Painter of architecture with remarkable atmospheric effects. Marine and still life painters. There were two preeminent marine painters in the 17th century. Willem van de Velde 1633-1707 and Batwiesen 1631-1708. The sea was not an unusual subject with the Dutch landscapists. Van Goyen. Simon de Villager 1601-1660. Quite. Willem van de Velde the Elder 1611-1693. All employed it but it was Van de Velde the Younger who really stood at the head of the marine painter, 